as you know, I've preached a series of sermons called The Dangers of a Shallow Church. And I preached quite hard the last three or four Sundays uh, on the dangers of a shallow church. So I thought today I'd give you a break and you could, you can, you could shout today, all right? Since I was so hard the last three or four days, I'm going to take a break today. And I got a very good friend by the name of Nathan Mullins. His wife, Mariah, is with us. And they're from Eufaula, Oklahoma. He's the youth pastor there at Lighthouse Christian Center under John Parrish. Wonderful young man. His parents, is his daddy, I think your daddy or your grandparents, is actually from West Virginia. So, you know, we all just got tithes everywhere, you know. And so he's just come to worship with us. He's actually going to sing a couple songs, and then he's going to preach. Would you welcome uh, Pastor Nathan and Mariah? Would you welcome both of them to the pulpit as they come? Give them a great big God bless you. Come on, put your hands together. Give them a great big God bless you as they come. All right. Well, you may be seated. What a Sunday. Woo. I see a lot of Chiefs fans in here. That's awesome. Uh, I will tell you, I am a Patriots fan. Other division, other, other whole conference. So we ain't nothing to worry about. I know what it's like to root for a couple of Super Bowls. Uh, I am a Tom Brady fan. Don't hold that against me. But I do like Patrick Mahomes. I'm an Oklahoma State fan. Tyreek Hill. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so uh, we claim him. In Oklahoma, we're really big on our, our, our college football because we don't have professionals. So you got OU and OSU, and Tyreek Hill won us the OU-OSU game one year for Oklahoma State, and that's very rare for us. So uh, it's good to see him having success for your Chiefs. And, uh, but no, like Pastor Josh said this morning, that if we can get excited for that, we ought to be able to get excited for Jesus. Amen? Amen. He has done so much for us, and he's done so much... Uh, uh, to us, and uh, we have every bit of right. You have the right this morning to just give him praise in this house. Amen. How many already felt him in worship today? Yeah? All right. So we're going to have a good time. All right. I got my, my wifey with me. We also brought another one, if you can't tell. We have a little baby on the inside right there. There you go. Due in March. Little. We don't know about little. She's a moose. She's getting big. And I don't know what your drummer did to get in trouble, but you guys have just covered him with Jesus. So I was looking at, I was looking at that. I was like, where's the drummer at? And then I noticed he's behind. They got you covered. So you're good to go. <laughs> All right. If you know these, y'all sing with us. It might be too low for me. Well, I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory And how he gave his life on Calvary To say, anybody know this one? Rest like me Oh, I heard about his groaning Of his precious blood atoning Then I Him. 
Jesus, just give him a hand, yeah. Amen, amen. And we were talking about our brother this morning that's got a, a fight in front of him. And uh, all right, that's a time to go. I'm just kidding. And uh, we were talking, brother, about the fight that you got ahead. Um, when you think about, you know, the doctors and everything, I'm sure the reports and stuff that you've heard and all of the, the trials ahead of you, um, it can sometimes be discouraging and overwhelming. Uh, we've been through that with, we had a, a baby, um, our very first child, we had doctor reports. It was an up and down, up and down roller coaster. But one thing we were always able to find stability in was God's word. Stability in God's word. It's the same report every time. The same report. And uh, one thing you can always hold on to is the blood of Jesus. And when he was talking about the, the victory and he was talking about the things that he's already done at Calvary, that's already taken place. So that blood that's already been shed is blood that we can claim this morning. And I'm so thankful um, that, that there's still power in it. And this is just a simple, we won't sing the verses, we're just seeing the choruses. But y'all should know this and so y'all sing this with us. sing that and it flows to the low lowest valley oh his blood it gives me strength from day to day it will never never lose its power Come on, if you know that, just sing it this morning. For it reaches to the highest mountain. Oh, it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, it's the blood that gives me strength. Oh,
it won't lose its power. this morning. Why don't you just turn around or step out in your aisle? I know we got COVID restrictions and stuff. Don't 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 uh don't shake nobody, slap me. I usually have my, my youth kids slap your neighbor, but you know that gets a little little crazy sometimes. They really slap them. Um, but just look over at somebody and say, man, you look good this morning. You sure look good. There you go. And then you may be seated. Hey thank you guys all so much. It's good to be back at Christ Point. I think I was here for y'all's spontaneous revival. 
uh, came in on a Monday night and had church with you guys, and we had a good time. And I was looking forward. This time I brought my wife back. Uh, she's much better looking than the guy I brought last time. I can, I can say that. If I say anything good and right this morning, I, I, I believe oh, I can say that. Much better looking than the guy I brought. And Brian, if you happen to watch this back, buddy, I'm just kidding. You, you look good too. Um, but no, uh, Pastor Josh, what did you say your, your series was? Are you just finished? Dangers of us. That was a test for all you guys to see if you've been paying attention too. I heard, I heard one or two shouted back at me, but dangers of a shallow church. Okay, um, I'll try not to, to meddle too much into your series here. Uh, but no, I'm excited this morning to, uh, to share with you what the Lord's laid on my heart. Um, just tell me to pull my mic up if I pull it down too much. I got a bad habit of that. My pastor's wife at our church gets on to me. I, I bring it down a lot. But I'm excited to share today with what the Lord's laid on my heart. I got to share this uh, good thing about being a youth pastor is a lot of times you get to share uh, uh, an extent of your messages with your kids a lot. And you get to run things over. Now, I, I preached this to Wednesday night before I knew I was getting to come here with you guys. And I had some stuff. Once Pastor Josh called me, I was going over some of my things. I was like, well, Lord, what would you have me to, to share? You know, I got several things. I had recently been gone for three weeks working in New Mexico and uh, just had gotten back. And while I was down there, I, I keep uh, um, notes in my phone where I just write down a lot of ideas and thoughts and, and what might not be a message now, but years down the road, I might revisit it and fill some in there, and so I've been working on a couple things from then, and I was able to put a, a couple together for this morning, and I'm really excited about it, but I got to share an extent of it with our kids on Wednesday, and, uh, but I feel privileged to get to share it with a, another youth group, but you guys consider yourself young in here today? There you go, I see a brother over here, and uh, so it'll be uh, an advanced youth group, there we go. Um, but how many like a good challenge? Does anybody, anybody thrive off of challenges? You just, you have to have challenges. You have to have, that's what I like to see, brother. He raised his hand over there. He likes challenges. And, uh, but, but if you don't have them, you, it, it's always simple to fall into complacency. And it's simple to, to, to fall back if you don't have challenges. But this thought was laid heavy on my mind and heart because I feel that there's something that in our minds and especially uh, visiting this, this walk of Christianity and relationship with Christ, there's got to come a point, and really in every relationship, you got to have that moment where it just clicks, and you know that it's right, and you know that it's what you want to do, and you know that with everything in your heart, that's what you want. That we got to get that moment where it just clicks in us, and, and we make the ultimate decision, especially my, my, younger, my younger kids and stuff in here today, uh, I see a couple spread out over here, where you got to choose for yourself to live for God, you, that, that decision just has to be made, and, and I remember my testimony, I grew up in a preacher's home, I grew up, you know, always around church, and that was all I knew, uh, we had Wednesday nights, uh, back in the Super Bowl parties when I was younger, we used to have the VHS tapes, so we'd record the game, and then afterwards, we'd run over and watch it, Nobody could ruin it for you then because we didn't have, you know, cell phones as popular as we do now. We didn't have, and if you do come to church tonight, Brother Josh, half of them are going to be watching it on their phones anyways. That's just how, that's just what happens nowadays. You know, they get the updates, you get, da -da -da, you know, you get your little ESPN alerts on your phone. But we didn't have that back then. We just had the VHS tapes, man. We'd carry it over to the parsonage and then have a Super Bowl party after service. We had this little old guy one time, I remember though, Brother Josh, I'll never forget it. He came over. Like midway through the game, he's like, boy, y'all better be praying for 
such and such team. And we're like, no, don't tell us that. You're ruining it. Get out of here. And he ruined the game for all of us. And uh, we used to fast forward the, the halftime shows, you know, because those were sacrilegious. And you had to cover our eyeballs. And, you know, uh, y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on. But, uh, oh, man. But if I'm, if I'm to be completely honest this morning, this message, it's one of those that, uh, well, all messages you pretty much preach to yourself, too. And, and I, I, Brother Josh, I watched some of yours back, and I heard you make the comment that before you've preached it to them, you've preached it about five times to yourself. And I know that's true. One of my favorite places to preach is in the shower. I, I, I get a lot of my preaching done in there. I, I preach to myself. Uh, I'm sure Mariah's walked by the door and thought many times, what's going on in there? Who's he talking to? But I'm just preaching and um, carrying on conversations, you know, and, and by myself in there. <laughs> but uh, this is one of those that really challenged me. And there has to come that moment, like I said, when things will just suddenly click and in our minds and in our heart and our soul and our spirit and where we make a confident decision that, hey, we're going to live for God, not, not for ourselves, but, and when God just so fits into that, but no, we're going to live for God first and figure out where do we fit into that. Um, not the other way around. Hear me this morning. The real question is for us in our Christianity and us in our walk with Christ is how can I serve him? How can I serve God? How can I serve Jesus? Not, not always how can he serve me. We used to preach messages and we used to, to sing songs of how we serve a mighty God. What a mighty God we serve. Anybody know that? Remember that? What a mighty God we serve. But now we got to sing songs about how a mighty God can serve us. And, and what can a mighty God do for me? And, and how can a mighty God make me prosperous? And, and how can a mighty God uh, uh, give me a little quick five-step program so that I can be wealthier, that I can have success? But no, what can I do for a mighty God? How can I serve a mighty God? So just, just real quick, just slap that neighbor beside you. We'll go ahead and do it. I'll if you don't like it, you can never have me back, Pastor John. But just slap your neighbor this morning and say, hey, how can we serve a mighty God? How, how is it that we can serve a mighty God? There we go. I'm a participation uh, preacher. I like it when you guys participate back with me. It helped me out. We'll go by a lot faster. So if you could do that, I get an amen. All right. All right. But if I was to shoot you straight this morning, many are guilty and even myself sometimes included into this. We, we, we find ourselves, we fall into a rut of life. Uh, uh, some might call it differently and have other names and synonyms for it. And, and there could be many terms, but to me a spiritual rut sounds about right. It sums it up quickly. The wheels are spinning, but, but we're not going anywhere. Uh, the vehicle is constructed just fine and, and we're full of gas and everything's there, but we're not really getting anywhere. Anybody ever been there before? We can have a great facility, and my goodness, you guys do. And we can have a beautiful, man, with, with, with great music and our drummer covered by Jesus. We can have all of these great things. And we can love one another, and we can laugh. We can represent our teams in here in unity today. I don't see a single Buccaneers jersey out there. We are in one mind and one accord today. And we can have all of this great camaraderie and love our brothers and, and doing great and, and, and having a great job of that being done and getting along and we laugh, we have fun and we enjoy each other's company. But, but where's our servanthood? Where's the passion for salvations? Why is it that there's these empty seats beside us and empty rows? Who didn't we invite to church this week? Who, who did we let pass by where we didn't offer up our servanthood? 
Where's the push for the lost? And, and, and where's the, I didn't come to be served, but I've come to serve. How many remember where Jesus said that? He told his disciples, he told the men around, guys, I didn't come to be served, but I've come to serve. Let me real quick show you where all this is coming from and, and how this came to my, my mind. If I could, we'll get to our scriptures in a second, but if I could just for a second, let's, let's zoom out. And Brother Josh did a little bit of this this morning. Let's zoom out real quick at the life of Jesus and look at all the people that he touched and look at all of the people that he healed and, and all of the people that he fed and, and look at all the people that he spoke to. I mean, you can, I mean, spend all of day, all day in messages after messages of all of the great miracles that he done. One of our favorites we've, we've talked about in youth here recently is how he fed the 5,000 with two small fish and, and five loaves of bread. And the 5,000 was really just talking about the men. That wasn't including the, the children or the wives or the, the aunties and the grandmas. You know, they, they travel too. And it's not including all them so hypothetically he probably fed around 20,000 or plus when you say brother Josh probably so and but Jesus doesn't just do things average or ordinary he always does more and extraordinary because he didn't just feed them but afterwards he told the disciples to hey go pick up the fragments and it said that they picked up 12 baskets full even after that uh, of the feeding they had an overflow of, of food which is incredible. And we look at the life of Jesus and we see all of these great things. We see the Beatitudes and, and we see how he was born of a virgin and, and we see that he turned water into wine. That he was just a young boy sitting on the steps of, uh, in Israel and he was preaching in Jerusalem to the, to the, to the older men there and, and even at a young age doing great things and you didn't hear about him for many years until he's now being baptized by John the Baptist and he, he assembles one of the greatest teams ever and his disciples and he's going around healing preaching preaching, touching, standing up. He said, you know, go and sit more talking about the, the, the woman that, that was being, stones being casted upon her. He even stood up for her and the love that he showed. And he showed up at Lazarus' house when everything looked hopeless and gone and he was buried and he, he, he brought life back to Lazarus just by calling him out of the tomb. He didn't have a, a prayer meeting or a prayer service. He didn't have anything. He just called him out and he came. Or, or how about the, the, the man, that the centurion man that came up to him and he said, but Jesus just said the word and Jesus did and, and he was healed because of Jesus' word. We can see all of these great things of Jesus. Many, many were touched by him. Would you agree? But now let's fast forward just a little bit. And, and now we can actually see, we see the cross and we see ultimately where Jesus' life and, and, and the flesh came to an end. We, we see that he is now standing trial for accusations of conspiracy and, and they're fearful that Jesus would overthrow their government. And they beaten him, they bloodied him, they bruised his body, they ripped his back with a cat of nine tails and, and now have drug him into a large open space and a large room with, with people screaming and people shouting and Pontius Pilate, um, the Roman prefect presiding the trial of Jesus. He gives an opportunity for the people to free one prisoner because he never thought it was right to, to have to crucify and to take Jesus. He never saw the wrongdoing in him, but due to the people and their demands, he, he ultimately, he was like, well, I'll give them a chance to free Jesus. I'll give Jesus another opportunity. This was a gift from the Romans, and they got to choose between, between two, two prisoners. So they bring out Barabbas to stand beside Jesus, and Barabbas was known as a murderer, a true killer. And the crowd's chance for Barabbas to be freed. And what I want you to see from the two stories being zoomed out of Jesus' life is that many, yes, many were touched by Jesus. 
but few were close to him. Where were all of the people that he had touched when he needed them the most? Where were the people standing up and screaming, no, free Jesus? Because many were touched, but where were the ones that were close to him when he needed them the most? And my biggest fear for us and why this was laid so heavy on my heart is because many of us have been touched by Jesus, but few are close to him. And that's my biggest worry is that we're going to have, we can have great services. And with the kids and stuff, you know, I get to preach, we have great time at church camp and all of these, these great functions and great things where, where God really touches their life. And we're going to have these memories growing up of when God touched us, but I don't ever want to stand before God one day and him say, you know, you were touched, but I knew you not. Because many were touched, but few were close. And you're sitting here thinking this morning, I, I get it, I understand, no, I would never choose Barabbas over Jesus. I would never choose a killer over Jesus. You don't, you don't know me that well, Nathan. You can't come to a church and, and preach like this not knowing us. I, I get it, I understand, and you're right. You, you probably wouldn't choose Barabbas. Alcohol's a killer. Drugs, tobacco, those are killers. Premarital sex, homosexuality, pornography, lies, theft, cursing, on and on and on. And you may think, but those, how are those killers? Well, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Sin's a killer, wouldn't you say? Sin's a, the Bible says the wages of sin are death. But Jesus has come that we might have life and have life more abundantly. So that, that lets me know that every time you choose and, and willfully choose sin over Christ and your relationship with him, what you're really doing is say, hey, give me Barabbas and you can take Jesus. I've been touched by him, but I'm really not that close to him. Now, I'm going to build you up in just a second. I just want to throw this out here. <laughs> and my fear is that we're going to get some, so many are going to be there and they're going to stand before God one day and, and wonder why they didn't make it. But Lord, I was touched by you. But you really weren't close. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have just been touched by him, but I want to be close to him. I don't want to know, I, I, I want to know him and I want him to know me and I don't want to stand before God and, and, and be turned away, but I want him to say, hey, I know you. You were touched and yes, I, I knew you. So I've come this morning to preach to those that, that choose and want to choose to be close to him. And maybe you're sitting in your seat right now and you're feeling that click and you're feeling that, that little nudge and, and I'm saying, I just don't want to be touched, but I got to be close. And I'm not just after his hand, but I'm after his heart. Don't you want to be close to the way maker this morning? Don't you want to be close to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Don't you want to be close to the healer and the deliverer and our Savior? Don't you want to be close to him? Amen. So let's look at those that, that choose to be close to him. Because Jesus has some very important things to say. If you'll go with me real quick to John chapter 20, verse 19. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. And then when you get that, you can, you can shout back, amen. That'll be all right. With the mask or without one, you can still shout. John chapter 20, verse 19. All right. We'll just do a couple reading, readings here. He's got it up. Perfect. I'm going to start. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, 
where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and he stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said, and when he had so said, he shewed unto them his hands and his side. Then, when the, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. And let's pause right there. Now, we got to understand that the disciples were some of the closest ones to Jesus. We talked about many were touched, but few were close. We can all assume and agree this morning that the disciples were close to him, right? And how I best describe this to our kids is when we go to church camp, anybody got any good memories of church camp? Good memories? Yeah, really good time. Uh, you get to spend about a week together. Now, that's where your true bonding comes as a youth group. That's where you really, you get to love one another, learn about each other, compete with one another. You're on the same team working for the same goal. And uh, you have a lot of good times. Relationships are made at church camp and just a wonderful time. And how I described this to the kids was the disciples pretty much had about three years of church camp with Jesus. All right. They, they traveled with them. They were on his team. They fought against others together. They, they, they protected them. They slept everywhere that would allow them to sleep. They had probably tents and whatever houses would house them. But it was about three years of church camp together. So they were close. And we came back a week after camp, and that's the closest we'd ever been. They had three years. So these men were close to Jesus. And here Jesus has died. Here he's been crucified. He has been put in the tomb. And now he has resurrected. And this story right here in John chapter 20, um, uh, John chapter 20, verse 19, I think through 21, tells us that the disciples are in a house behind a door that they had shut because they were fearful of the Jews outside because they had just seen what had happened to Jesus, right? Everything that Jesus had called these disciples to be, everything that he had taught them to do was outside of those very doors. And, and to, this morning, if I could be quite frank and be honest with you guys, a lot of your mission isn't just in this house. But it's outside of these doors. Everything that he's called, everything that he has taught you to be, everything that he has for you is, is outside these doors. And, and to love your neighbors and, and to, to live a life of ministry, to see lives change, to perform miracles, to prepare the way for Jesus, to share the good news, to labor the fields, to be servants. And however, uh, based off of what the disciples had seen and based off of what they had witnessed firsthand, they gathered to themselves that the people did not like them. That this Christianity thing, hey, it's not too popular. Uh, they feared for their lives. You guys seen what happened to Jesus. Imagine what they'll do to us. Um, I'm sure that was some of their conversations. And uh, they gathered that they were not going to be accepted. They, they were the ones closest to him, but they found themselves now in a rut. They were constructed right. They had gas tanks that were full of fuel, and everything was where it needed to be. They had the, all the life lessons from Jesus on the inside of them. But how many remember that rut we talked about? Now they find themselves in a rut. Please note that, that we're not making these, they're not making these things up. Don't sit back and judge the disciples just yet because they've seen these things firsthand. This wasn't just imaginary for them. Uh, um, this wasn't just imaginary and some made-up fear uh, for no reason. They had valid reasons. What they didn't quite understand, however, uh, yet was that Jesus, he had to die. They didn't quite understand and know right then that everything that took place was ultimately God's plan. 
what they had went through was his sacrifice for the world. This was what God had sent Jesus to accomplish. Because while Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, that's a hard word for me to say with the lisp sometimes, Pastor Josh, uh, Gethsemane, and uh, some of y'all laughing. But while Jesus was praying in the Garden, look at this real quick. He's in there praying because his flesh does not want to be crucified. I don't care who you are this morning, your flesh does not want to be crucified. But Jesus is in there praying that, God, if this be your will, then let your will be done, pretty much, paraphrasing a bit. And he's saying, God, uh, uh, give me the strength and, and take this flesh from He's crucifying his flesh, pretty much, is what Jesus was doing. And had the disciples stayed up with him, they may have got to overhear some of these prayers and got to truly see the heart of God and what was taking place. But the Bible tells us that they were sleeping, so they didn't get to hear all of that and realize that this was really God's plan and that God was telling Jesus, no, you got to go through this. Because the disciples were, you know, I'm sure they were thinking, well, Jesus, can't you just, you know, strike these guys? down I mean one of them sliced the dude's ear off and Jesus put it back on surely Jesus could just cast him dead right there and that's what they were thinking but this was God's plan are you with me and while Jesus was praying in the garden those that were closest to him were sleeping and I can understand from from our perspective and what we know we can look and we can judge Jesus disciples and, and, and criticize him for not being there when the crowds and standing up for Jesus to be freed don't they know that he was going to rise from the tomb? Don't they know that his death was only going to be temporary? Didn't they know it was only going to last for three days? And that he was going to go down uh, and steal the keys from death, hell, and the grave? Haven't they heard Brother Josh preach on that yet? <laughs> Don't they know about resurrection power? But you see, the part of the story, that part hadn't been written yet. They were sitting there not knowing what their futures hold. Like many of us today, I've sat in your very same seat and thought, you know, what does my future hold? Because all I see around me right now is turmoil and despair and hard times economically and physically and mentally. There's so much division, so much animosity. Got people yelling at me to wear masks and people yelling at me not to wear masks. And we can't agree on anything. Just a couple years ago, we were fighting over what bathrooms to use. Are you guys with me this morning? And they're sitting there not knowing what the futures hold. And they just see present circumstance. And they didn't know that Jesus was the whole time was just fulfilling prophecy and fulfilling promise. As you're sitting here this morning, know that he is still writing your story. As he was right then, as God was filling it all in and putting everything into place and, and writing these things out right before the disciples, they couldn't yet see it, but, but God was working and Jesus was working. And that very same thing is taking place this morning. While you're sitting there, he's still writing your story out. And he's still putting all these things into place. Why? Because you have promise and you have purpose. And, and God said that he works everything out for the good of those that love him. So that, that tells me this morning that if you love him, he's working right now. We sing that song, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Anybody else like that? Or is that just me this morning? 
Amen. But he's still working. And, and I understand, I get it that there's so much going on around us, so much distraction. But I've come on a Sunday morning to tell somebody that he still fulfills promises, that he's still giving promises, that there's new ones to come, that he's not done with you yet. Just because you've gotten reports or just because the people beside you might not feel the same type of way, God is still fulfilling promise. Amen. That prodigal's coming home. That husband's getting delivered. Those kids are getting saved that you've been praying for. That debt that you've been stressed over, if you but trust God and you'd be faithful in your giving and faithful to his word, he'll help erase that. My grandma told me one time, Nate, your, your debt isn't just something that you got to pray for God to deliver you from. It's something you got to repent over. So I don't know who I'm helping with that, but sometimes we got to ask God to forgive us for some of these, these issues we find ourselves in because we put ourselves there. That's free, okay? That, that wasn't wrote down. That's just, that's just straight out the heart. That's some of the best advice my grandma gave me because one time I was about 18. She had to help me pay my car, my car payment because I was irresponsible. And she told me, Nathan, I'm all for blessing you and helping you, but let me teach you too. So she taught me, gave me some scriptures, and she said, before you pray, God blesses you in your finances, you better make sure that you've asked for forgiveness in your finances. Because a lot of this stress that I feel and a lot of this turmoil that I find myself in wasn't called by God. It was because I had my eyes fixed on something that was nice and shiny when I didn't have the funds to get it. All right? Come on, anybody else there with me? Come on, we can spend $12 on a Starbucks coffee, but we have a hard time when it comes 10% to God's house. Yeah. And did you know that overseas, and you look at the, uh, what is it, the jihads in them, they will sacrifice their lives for their gods? They, I mean, they will, they will blow themselves up for their gods, and they think that that's what, but we can't give 10%. So if you're, <laughs> Justin, say that real loud. So, like, if they had the same mindset and methods as we did, wouldn't that be like, I'll blow up my hand, but not myself. They blow themselves up. But we struggle sometimes with the little things in our relationships with God. Amen. But he's still writing my story. He didn't just come to touch his disciples. This is what I want you to see. He didn't just come to touch them and to give them a show and to show them how powerful that he was. But he had come so that they might be close to him. And that, that's what I said at the beginning. My fear was that many are going to be touched, but few are going to be close. I don't want to just be in great services and be amused by the power of God and, and to see others get delivered and carry that testimony, but I want to be close to the one that heals and the one that delivers. I want him to know me by name, and I want to know him. Amen. What he needed from them, what he needed ultimately from his disciples was for them to adopt his heart and ultimately his commission. Guys, don't just be amused by what God does, but adopt his heart. Adopt his commission. Don't just think it's great when, when Pastor Josh can preach the house down or, or, or your other workers in here can lay hands and you see them do great things. It's, it's not just for them. As he was talking about, it's a whole team. Teamwork makes a dream work. And that was the message that Jesus was sharing with his disciples. But if you just get close to me, you'd realize, honey, that there's so much more to your life as well. And that's why he was resurrected, and that's why he came back, and that's why he's now visiting with the disciples. It says that he walked through a door that was closed. 
I could preach that this morning. I don't know who in here are facing closed doors this morning and you feel as if you're trapped and you feel as if nothing can help you, nothing can get to you. It said that Jesus walked through a closed door. Yeah. So whatever doors might be closed in front of you, know that it ain't nothing for Jesus. That he can walk, you don't even got to open it. He can just walk right through it. So Jesus shows up and Jesus, he, he has a conversation with him. I have sweat rolling down my back. Whew. And we'll leave it there. <laughs> Jesus has a, a really cool conversation. And I said he doesn't just want to touch you, but he wants you to touch him. He wants you to be close enough to touch him. Church, don't always just sit in your seat and be a... a you just you, sit, you watch the services, but be a participator. He doesn't just want you to be touched, but he wants you to get close enough to touch him. Because when the disciples were in question and when they were in doubt, how did Jesus prove to him or prove to them that he was real? He said, touch me. Get close enough to me that you could touch my sides and look at my hands. Don't you see the scars? Jesus showed him his scars. He was wanting them to get close enough so that they could feel, close enough so that they could see, close enough so that they could be near. Are you with me this morning? So if you go with me real quick to Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now I'm going to build you up real good and send you out. Go sin no more. Is that right, Josh? We find two commissions before I read the scripture, you find two commissions that Jesus, he, he gives to his people. One, he talks to the 72, and he commissions them two by two to go to all the houses and to prepare the way for Jesus. He said that if they accept you in, set with them, eat. But if not, this is important, get this this morning, but if not, he said to dust it off and to keep on your way. And church, can I be honest, everybody look up here real quick. This is where a lot of us get discouraged in our, in our outside ministry of this house. When we tell others about Jesus and we try to prepare the way for Jesus and we try to, to give out an invitation, this is where a lot of us hit that rut that I was talking about earlier and we get stuck in the mud, is when they don't accept it, is when we get turned down. Maybe you sent a Facebook message and somebody left you on read and they didn't respond to you and you're like, well, that didn't go as I had planned it to. Or you invite them to church and a message goes out and it scares them and they never come back and you're like, well, I failed. They're never going to come to a Pentecostal church. I get it. I've been there. I've invited friends before, and they get scared to death. They don't know anything about it. Somebody falls out, and you're like, man, Sandy would fall out. The one service that I invite my friend. Come on, y'all know y'all have said that. You look over, you look over, and you see him shaking and shying and, and shaking. You're like, it's about to go off. This is it. They're never coming back. Told y'all, I've been raised. I've been raised in it. I know, I know all about it. I see him winding up, and I say, hey, let's go out to the lobby real quick. I'll, show, I'll just show you. Have you filled out a membership card yet? Let me, let me get you one of these. And, you know, do you time it right, then you can come back in and say, okay, okay, she's good. And, Where'd Sandy go? She's under that cloth over there. And, um, like, I get it. I know. I know. And, um, but where we get discouraged is when people, when we face opposition. But that's why Jesus told them, hey, if they don't accept it, just brush it off and go to the next house. I think that's so, if you don't get anything else that I've told you today, get that. If somebody doesn't accept it, that's all right. Brush it off. 
and go to the next house because maybe that next house, they're going to accept you. And maybe that next house is just, it's just waiting for an invitation, just waiting for somebody to tell them about Jesus. And they might feed you, they might bless you. You see, many of us, we've missed out on some good home cooking and some good blessings because we've stopped after being discouraged on the first house. And we didn't go to that next one. But Jesus said, hey, just God, just brush it off. It's not a big deal. If Jesus would have stopped every time somebody doubted him, think about it. Just brush it off. But the second commission, that's what I want to read you real quick. And we'll get right through this. It's 1149. I'll hurry up. Matthew 26, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they had saw him, they worshiped him, but, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Somebody say go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations and baptizing him in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So that means every, teach them everything that I've commanded you, everything that you have learned, all of those times you've sat in this house and you've been given messages, whether it be Sunday school or, or Pastor Josh or whoever's been speaking, everything that you've, been, that you've learned, share that with them. Don't just keep it to yourself, but share it with them. Everything that I've commanded. And, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Somebody say commission. That's the title of my message. Commissioned. We have all been commissioned. We have all been commissioned by Jesus. Not to just be touched by him, but to be close to him. Close enough to share his heart. Close enough to feel his hurt. Close enough to have that sincerity and that, that, that soft spirit in us. When we see others in despair and others hurting, that our hurt, our heart hurts like his heart. The Great Commission. The Great Commission. A definition of commission is a formal written warrant granting the power to perform various acts or duties. Granting the power to perform. Jesus grants us the power, and the scriptures back this up. He said, greater things shall you do. Greater works shall you do. Then he tells us that we, he actually told the disciples uh, uh, to, to, to stay, to linger in Jerusalem 10 more days and to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And when that happens, you shall receive power. He was granting them the power. He was giving them the license to carry out the ministry. Everything that he had done and what he had showed them, he is now telling them that I expect you to do greater. When we talked about how Jesus does things, not just ordinary, but extraordinary, he also expects that out of you. He doesn't just expect you to be a, an ordinary Christian or just a, a casual Sunday attender, but he expects you to be extraordinary, regardless of age, regardless of gender, or regardless of what team you root for tonight. He expects you to do the extraordinary because he said, greater work shall you do. So that lets me know that when he, he walked on water, he expects you to do greater. When, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he expects you to do greater. Are you with me? Anybody believe what I'm saying this morning? He's commissioned you. And something else to look at this word commission, and many of you, in, and for me, with maybe your jobs, you might understand this thought, is that if you commission something or commission someone to do something, you formally arrange for someone to do a piece of work for you, and commission is a sum of money paid to a salesperson for every sale that he or she makes. If a salesperson is paid on commission, the amount that they then receive depends on the amount that they sell. Think about that this morning. How many of you have ever 
prayed for a blessing. Has anybody got a need? You just need God to supply? A couple of you? Man, you guys are all blessed. I only see a couple hands. Everybody else is sitting good. That's all right. But think about that for a second. What if we were to be blessed off of our commission? What if he answered our prayers based off of our sales of Jesus? Who are you selling Jesus to? And is it working? He's commissioned us and to go out and to prepare the way and to, to, to make followers of Christ and disciples. If we're to be blessed off of our, and that, this is just a thought here, okay? You, you're not going to read it like this in Scripture. And your blessings aren't just determined off of you selling Jesus. I get, I'm just giving you a thought real quick. How successful are we in selling Jesus to others? Because we all got things we're passionate about. I guarantee you, if I ask my, my family back here in the Chiefs jerseys, you guys could sell me on the Chiefs right now. Brother, just tell me one reason why they're going to win tonight. Tell me one reason. Yeah, the jacket. Mahomes, exactly. You guys seen him play, that no-look pass? Stud, he's good, right? You could sell me on that. Because you believe it, right? Now sell me on Jesus. You see? Mahomes. <laughs> but you guys get what I'm saying? Sell me on Jesus. You can sell me on the things you're passionate about. Where I'm from right now, everybody, you know, I just went to a gun show and several things like that and killed my first deer this last year. It was amazing. You know, I feel like I've been welcomed into the the manlyhood, you know, cut it up, you know, I've done all that myself, and uh, been cooking it myself, it's good, and, uh, but I talked to a lot of these guys, I don't know really much about guns or anything, Pastor Josh, I just don't, but I'm, I'm into it right now, and these people are passionate about it, I went to a gun show, and they're charging like $1.15 for one, one shell of 9 millimeter bullets, and it's just like crazy expensive, and, but they're all so passionate about it, They'll sit there and tell you everything about it. Why? Because that's what they're passionate about. But can you sell me about Jesus? With what you would have to tell me, could, could you get me to want to come to church? Because that's what we're commissioned to do by Jesus. See, I just don't want to be touched by him and be in these services and, and his presence fall. And we sing that song this morning, so will I, and, and his glory fills his place. It was tangible. I just don't want to be touched by him, but I want to be close to him that I could share his commission, that I could be passionate. And that's, that's what I'm trying to throw on you this morning is that we've all in this house been commissioned to sell Jesus to the world. And what I like about the first commission when he told the 72 that, he was telling them, just get them to me, pretty much. If you could just prepare the way for me, I'll make the difference. And that's what we got to understand. But if we could just get people to Jesus let him make the difference. You don't got to be the preacher. You don't got to be the Sunday school teacher. You don't got to be the song leader. You just got to get them to Jesus and let Jesus make the difference. He's commissioned you to do that. If the worship team could come, I, I, I'm done. But it, it's a great work for us to do, and it's a great responsibility. But in order to do it, we got to be close. Because I don't want somebody selling me something that they don't know nothing about. You ever try to buy a car and you ask him, well, how many miles are on it? And he has no idea. Well, what's the price? I really don't know. Let me go talk to my manager. Well, why am I talking to you? Let me just talk to your manager. 
and you haggle with that person about price when they're not even the one that decides that, I just tell them, look, I understand you're going to get your commission off this. That's fine. But let me talk to the person I actually make the deal with. I just, I don't want to talk to somebody about Jesus I don't know. Don't tell me if you don't have any idea. I don't want my only story to be, be touched, be, by being touched, but I want to be close. Because many of us can fool the world and we can post little stuff on our social media and we can share, you know, John 3.16, he saved the world. Yes, he did. But we don't really know him. And they're saying, but I, I see you live. I see you real live. You can't sell me on something. You, I want to be close to him. I want to know him and I want him to know me. Amen. You have all been commissioned. I want to finish with this story this morning and show you just how important your impact is. And y'all can play. This is it. Amen. I hope some of you right now, I hope, I hope you feel a click. I hope you feel that, that urge and that nudge. I don't know about you, but 2020 was rough. Anybody else? I have great expectations for 2021. I do. I believe that we're going to see a, a, a great revival this year of, of salvation. I really do. If these hard times had to come to get people to the place where they don't have nothing but God, but God will get you through. But God's all we need. Amen. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He'll supply all my needs according to his riches. He said, never, never has the righteous been forsaken nor his seed gone begging for bread. That, that's my God. I think my 2021 is going to be just fine. Amen. And I think yours is too as your pastor shares his vision. Be here for that because you'll go as your pastor goes and you're going to want to get under that vision. And you're going to want to help him accomplish that vision. It's not just his, it's for the body. Amen. So I want to share this story with you about accepting our mission, accepting our commission today. There was this little boy, and I read this on Facebook, man, it was so awesome. It fit. Don't come up to me tonight and ask me for the boy's, or today for the boy's name. I don't know him. It's a story. There's this little boy, though, and he, he, he puts his clothes on for cold weather. And he tells his father, okay, dad, I'm ready. And his dad, the, which was the pastor, he says, you're ready for what, son? He said, dad, it's time for us to go outside and to distribute the church flyers. His dad replies, son, it's very cold outside and it's drizzling. Kind of like this morning. And the child looks surprised at his father and he said, but dad, people need to know about God even on rainy days. And his dad replied, son, I'm not going outside in this weather. With despair, the child said, dad, can I go alone, please? And his father waited for a moment and said, son, you can go. Here's the flyers. Just be careful. Take your phone with you and call me if you need anything. Thanks, dad. And with this, the son went out into the rain. This 11-year-old boy walked all of the streets of his town and he's handing out flyers to the people that he saw. After two hours of walking in the rain and, and cold with his last flyer in his hand, he stopped at a corner to see if he saw someone to give a flyer to. But the streets were, sto were totally deserted. And then he turned to the first house that he saw. He walked to the front door and he rang the bell several times and he waited, but nobody came out. Finally, the boy turned to leave, but something stopped him. The spirit was tugging on his heart. 
The child turned back to the door and he began to ring the doorbell again. But still no one came. And something within him just wouldn't let him leave. So, so now he begins to knock. And he's ringing the doorbell and he's knocking. And he's pounding on the door with his knuckles. And he kept waiting. But still nothing. And he'd go to leave and the spirit would still be urging him, no, someone's going to answer. And he knocks again. And finally the door was gently opened. And a lady stuck her head just enough out to see the little boy. And with a very sad look, gently asked, what can I do for you, son? With radiant eyes and a bright smile, the child said, lady, I'm sorry if I upset you. But I just wanted to tell you that God really loves you. And that I came to give, you, to give you my last flyer, which talks about God and his great love. The boy then, he gives her the flyer, and she just said, thank you, son. God bless you. Next Sunday morning rolls around. The pastor was in the pulpit, and when the service began, he asked, does somebody have a testimony or something that they'd like to share this morning? Gently in the very back row of the church, an older lady stood up, and when she started talking, a radiant and glorious look sprouted from her eyes. Nobody in this church this morning knows me. I've never been here before. And even on last Sunday, I wasn't even a Christian. And I even doubted if God was even real. My husband died a while ago, leaving me totally alone in this world. And last Sunday was a particularly cold and rainy day. And it was in my heart that on that day, my life was going to come to an end since I had no hope and didn't want to live anymore. Then I took a chair and I took a rope and I carried it up my stairs to the attic of my house. I tied a noose at one end of the rope and th threw it over the rafters. Then I climbed onto the chair and I put that rope around my neck. I stood on the chair for a minute so alone and so heartbroken. I was about to throw myself off of the chair when suddenly I heard a loud sound of the door being knocked. So I thought, you know, I'll just, I'll just wait for a minute and they'll leave like always. There's nobody that ever comes to check on me. Nobody cares about me. So, and I waited and I waited, but the doorbell kept ringing and the door kept knocking louder and louder every time. It got so loud that I couldn't ignore it anymore. So I wondered, well, who could it be? No one ever comes and checks on me. I released the rope around my neck and I went down to the door while the bell was still ringing and the door was still being knocked on. When I opened the door, I couldn't believe what my eyes saw. In front of me was the most radiant and angelic child that I've ever seen. His smile, I can never describe. The words that came out of his mouth made my heart, which was dead for so long, come back to life. When he said, the voice with a, a cherub angel, lady, I just want to tell you today that God really does love you. And when the little angel disappeared between the cold and the, and the rain, I closed my door and I read every word that was on that flyer. Then I went up to my attic and I, I took down the chair and I cut down the rope and I took it down the stairs. I didn't need them anymore. As you see, now I'm a happy daughter of the king. Since the direction of this boy when he left was to the church, I came personally today to say thank you to that little angel of God who came just in time. And in fact, he rescued my life from an eternity in hell.
And he replaced it with an eternity in God's presence. That morning, everybody flooded to the altars. The pastor gave one altar call. He didn't even preach. And the father stepped off the stage and approached his boy with big old tears in his eyes. And he was humbled. And he said, son, I'm more proud of you today than I've ever been. What you've done. When your daddy didn't want to do it, son, you did it. I want you to know that you've humbled me today. Church, can I tell you that this very same story is what God has called you and I to do? We don't always have to preach. We don't always have to carry a message or, 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 or be a song leader or, or teach a Sunday school class. But if we'd just be willing to go and knock on somebody's door and tell somebody that Jesus still loves them and tell somebody that Jesus still died for them, that he still saves, that he still delivers. If we'd be willing to accept the commission, you'd be surprised to see how many lives are going to change, how many people would flood this place, how many people would flood these altars. Why? because we've accepted the great commission of Jesus. We often overlook and overanalyze our impact. But Jesus said, if you just prepare the way, if somebody would just be willing to get them to me, do the legwork. If it's taking them a flyer that has it all wrote down, if it's handing out Bibles, but if somebody would be willing, whether it's raining, whether it's snowing, whatever it might be, I'm telling you, there's lives out there right now that are waiting for somebody to come up to them and tell them about Jesus. I was once told this as a kid, to every door, to every lock, there's a specific key that was made for it. The keys in your pocket this morning, they won't start my truck, but my keys will. What if God designed you to be the key that that person needs, the lock that's on their heart, the hurt that's in their life. What if you're the key to unlock that? What if you're the key to break that? How many got some lost loved ones in here today? There's keys out there right now that God's preparing to approach them. They may not wanna hear your message preached, but they'll listen to somebody else. Maybe they're that key and you need to be that key. So right now, just every head bowed, every eye closed. The worship team's going to sing something. But I pray, man, I pray with everything that's within me. That you, that you hear that click. That that click's taking place right now in your mind and in your heart and in your soul and in your spirit. God, I need to do a better job. God, forgive me. I just don't want to be touched by you, but I want to be close to you commission that you gave God I, I want to accept that I want to tell somebody about Jesus